activated in your life. If you'll just submit yourself to him. Otherwise, if I'm in rebellion, not living in obedience to him, angels, angels cannot understand that. And they're not able to help me the way they want to. So this whole deal about submission to authority, it's very important for many different reasons. And one of those reasons, again, is for the sake of God's heavenly host. The multitudes of angels who only really have one purpose here, and that is to help you. They want to help you. We need their help. And sometimes the only thing stopping them from helping us is just that I'm not in submission to God. submit to God's authority, that means you recognize his power over your life. He is God, our creator, our loving heavenly father, and we recognize who he is, and we allow him to rule and reign in our lives. That is submission to his authority. You submit to his power. He's powerful. You believe that? Our God is all powerful. That power is for your edification. It is for your good. God has all the power not to destroy you, not to squash you. Any of you ever squashed an ant? I don't know. Some people, they squash them and they smell their finger. I don't know what that is. They smell a certain way or what? I never smelled my fingers after smashing, but we've all exercised that kind of power. You ever smash a mosquito? Or you guys are so gentle you don't smash mosquitoes? You, you just love all of God's creatures, don't you? Even while they're the blood sucking, even while they're sucking your blood. No, we have that kind of power, we can just smash it. Do you know God is that powerful? But he doesn't use his power to destroy. He uses his power to edify us. To build us up. And to empower us. 
He wants to edify every part of your life. Everything that pertains to you. He wants to strengthen that. And build you up. Amen. So we're going to look at something real quick. It just helps us to see God's heart in this. Go to Luke chapter 9. We might have a couple Bibles still back there. If you need one, you can raise your hand. Otherwise, it'll be up here. Luke chapter 9. And we'll start reading in verse 51. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's Luke 9, 52, or 51, sorry. Let's just look at this step by step. We see Jesus focused. He's determined. Why is he going to Jerusalem? Because it's about time for him to be received up. What does all that mean? That means the cross. That means the crown of thorns. Enduring all that shame. The stripes. At the hands of the Romans. He's going to go through that. He is in perfect submission to his father's will. Jesus knew he had to be somewhere on time. And so he's going for it. He's focused and determined. Verse 52 says that Jesus sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. So the disciples intended to prepare something for Jesus in this village. He's on his way to Jerusalem. But of course, the disciples don't understand God's full plan here. They don't really understand what Jesus' intention is. So they're just doing their best. They think, man, Jesus is coming. He's going to pass through this village. Let's make a place ready. Let's do all these things. But Jesus really has no intention to spend any amount of time there. Okay, but they don't understand all that. So they're doing their best. Verse 53 says that they, the people of Samaria, did not receive him. Because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. 
Now here's where it gets a little complicated. Because it would appear now, as it so often does in our lives, that things aren't working out very well. Right? I mean, they didn't receive him. Doesn't look good. Seems like something's wrong. That's how we feel many times. Something's just not quite right. And this is where we can easily lose sight of God's purpose. It's when things don't seem to be going so well. That's when we have to keep our hearts right. When things don't seem to be working out just right. Jesus had to pass through this place to get to Jerusalem. That's where he's supposed to go. He's focused on that. Something's waiting for him there. So that's God's intention. Okay, but something happened in the middle. That should not distract him. And you have to apply this to your life. Because so many things happen in the middle of our lives. Along the way. Okay, we have a destination. We have a destiny. God has an expected end for us. But along the way, in the middle, if not in this village, then maybe some other village. Some area of your life. As you're traveling through, it doesn't always work out just right. So what are we going to do? We shouldn't be distracted then when things don't go your way along the way. You know, it's like in marriage. Things don't always go the way you thought it should. Amen. Stick with it. It gets better and better and better. Okay, but sometimes in the middle, when things aren't going the way they want them to go, then he or she starts looking around. Look at that couple. They don't have these problems. Here's a news flash. I'm going to give you a newsflash. <clears throat> you don't live in their home. So you don't really know what problems go on in their house. Right, but we start looking around. Oh, they don't have that. They don't have the problems that we have. And if you're not careful, you get totally distracted. And some other person can catch your eye. 
And instead of being interested there, you start getting interested somewhere out there. These distractions. Why? Because it didn't work out just the way you thought it should somewhere in the middle. We've got to stick with God's plan. For every couple here, God has a destiny for you. Somewhere you have to reach together to fulfill God's will. It's not always going to be smooth and easy. God has a plan. Even when it doesn't seem like his plan has happened. He has a destiny for you. You just have to keep moving. The disciples, they should have just kept moving. Jesus is just going to pass through anyhow. Verse 54. When his disciples James and John saw this, they said, What kind of suggestion they had. This is their solution. Lord, should we go ahead and command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Come on, let's do it, God. Come on, you got the power. Let's squash them good. Let's call the fire down. We're going to smoke them right now. Come on, let's, let's do it. God's got the power, doesn't he? He couldn't do it, couldn't he? He did it before. Come on, remember Elijah. Come on now, it's a different time. God has a plan here. And this is not it. Okay, but you can see just how quickly, just how people can jump to some extreme measure. Just like that. Oh, I didn't like the way you looked at me. Divorce. Right? Just like that. Just like all of a sudden. And usually there's little things that build up to that kind of stuff. But we can jump to these extreme measures. Sometimes that's the slightest thing. I mean, church life is full of this kind of stuff. They know pasta. Sounds sometimes like bastards. It's weird. So which one is it here? Okay, but he didn't do what we wanted him to do. What kind of extreme measure might we jump to? Ah, they don't care about me. They don't care about my family. We'll leave this church. Right? This, this kind of things happen. In marriages between family members, little misunderstandings. 
Okay, so they didn't receive Jesus. They must have had this grand expectation. They're going to walk into town. They're all going to flock to see Jesus, welcoming Jesus. It didn't happen. God had a different plan. Jesus has to get to Jerusalem. There's really no time for all these other things. Okay, so when it doesn't work out just right, don't worry about it. Amen. Stick with the plan of God. If you're married, God made a connection. He has a plan. If you're part of this church, God brought you here. He has a plan. I know people, the first chance they get, they'll be out of here. They hear America calling. They want to go. People that God needs here. I have one dear brother. They worked hard to get out of here. Had a ministry. Had a church. God was using them. Building the kingdom of God in this nation. Many told them. Many told them. Don't leave. God needs you here. But they had to go. For different reasons. Amen. You know what the main reason usually is. We talked about it last uh, week. They start waving dollars in front of people's eyes. So they did it. They left. Not long after. Marriage, marriage was falling apart, totally destroyed. They're divorced now. Not in ministry anymore. Was that God's intention? Look, you got to know where God's called you to be. You got to do what God's called you to do. Don't let all these things move you. You got to stick with the plan of God. Instead of taking matters into your own hands. See, they, they did not understand the full intention of God. And here's the lesson we have to learn. Is that you trust God no matter what's happening. You just trust Him. He's a big God. He can handle your little problems. And come on, let's just make them little. It only seems big because it's yours. God can handle these things. He'll help you to overcome these things. You'll navigate right through it. If you'll just trust Him. No matter what's happened. 
Let him take you through the different seasons, the different circumstances. And you'll arrive at the final destination. The thing that God has planned for you. So the disciples obviously missed it. Jesus has to rebuke them. He does that in the next verse. And he, and he says that they don't know what manner of spirit they're of. Certain translations leave out a couple of these points. But here it is. Jesus said, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. The word spirit is the same word for wind and air and it blows. And it is influence as well. They don't know what's influencing them. They were being influenced. Just like wind blows and you see it, how it moves the tree. There was a spirit influencing them. It just wasn't God's spirit. Amen. And these are disciples. These are followers of Jesus. These are like the church going folks. They're looking to the Lord. They're trying to serve Him. But see how things can influence us. We have to be aware of that. What is influencing you? When we make certain decisions, we go after certain things. This world is an influencer. All the things of this world. And it's all designed to attract your attention. To cause you to compromise. So that you miss God. Now, the next verse is really what, what I wanted to get to. And some Bible translations are actually leave it out. It's verse 56. It says, The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. This just explains the heart of God. He has all the power not to destroy, but to edify. He wants to save us. He wants to help us. And to save means to rescue, means to deliver, means to heal, means to be all these things. He wants to save you. Not destroy. So this is how he uses his power. God uses his power to empower us. 
Amen. Therefore, we should simply recognize his authority in our lives. And submit to him. He doesn't want to hurt you. Amen. Why not submit to him? Why not just go all out and live 100% for Jesus? Like what bad thing is going to happen? I'm not saying it's always going to be easy. But if you'll just submit to God, He will empower every part of your life. When you come under His power, He can then empower you. Amen. Let's take a moment and thank God. We had a, a prayer request came in. If you remember uh, Pintu, who's out there in the islands. They had a storm in their little island church. So we support that church. It got pretty much blown down. We can pray for them. I just sent him a message, all will be restored, so don't worry. But let's just take a moment. Thank God for his word. Thank God for what he's doing in your life. Some things might not make sense right now. Just trust him. Father, we're so thankful. Your word is alive. It's full of power. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for teaching us. Father, help us to see what you want us to see. You're taking us through some things so that we can reach the final destination. Father, we thank you for that. Father, we pray for this nation. We thank you that you're moving all over India. Every place represented in this room. We thank you that your perfect will is being done. We pray for Pintu, for their fellowship there. And Father, we thank you. All will be restored. You're building your kingdom there. And nothing will stop that. We pray for this city, for our state, and Lord, we thank you. You are establishing your kingdom here. Your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. One of the ways that God empowers his people is with the help of angels. Amen. I was just reading recently. Before Jesus went to the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
really agonizing in his soul, he reached Jerusalem. He knew what was waiting for him. And in that time, the Bible says an angel came and touched him and strengthened him. This is one of the ways God empowers us. He'll touch you. He'll strengthen you. The only thing that's required, just like Christ, submission to the Father's will. Remember what he said. Not my will, but yours be done. That was his heart. That was his intention. For God's will to be done. God can work with people like that. And he'll use different means to empower you. Even angels being empowered by God applies to every part of your life. We're going to continue a little bit from last week. We talked about finances last week. This is one more area God wants to empower. He wants to touch you in that area. Amen. We began talking about this last week. So there's just a few more points I want to cover. And I hope that you'll get some things. Everything God does, everything He commands us to do in His Word, all of it is designed to enrich our lives. Do you ever think about that? Everything God has done is to enrich you. When you read His Word and He's commanding you and instructing you, it's all designed to enrich you, to edify you. Always remember that. Amen. That's why, you know, it should be a little less difficult just to go ahead and do it. I mean, when you know it's for your good, God only has your best in mind. Knowing that, should help us to go ahead and just obey Him. Whatever He asks of us. He's not the thief. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I've come to give life. Abundant life. Enrich your life. Edify and build you up. Everything God does, everything He commands us to do, 
is for them. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, A18, be an easy one for you to memorize. It says, You shall remember the Lord your God. Remember him. That means to be mindful. That means to acknowledge him. That means that you recognize him. He's your source. Remember the Lord. That's why we take communion. And once a month is not very often. We do that as a church once a month. We take the bread, we take the juice. Why? Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember the Lord your God. Amen. You should do that in your own private life. We've encouraged the families. Do it once a week. In your home. Get some bread. Get some juice. And just remember Jesus. Amen. For it is he, it says, watch this, he gives you the power to get well. He wants to empower you to prosper. That power is for a purpose. That wealth is for a purpose. What is it? Is that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He wants to do that through you. Establish his covenant in the earth through your life. This is prosperity with a purpose. It's the will of God. God wishes to empower all of you to prosper. He really does. God's not the bully in heaven. Trying to take your lunch money away. You know, you went to school. I don't know if you ever faced this bully. Bigger than you. Ugly. Right, that's why they're so mean. Because they're just so ugly. Every time they look in the mirror, they get angry. Then they look for someone to take their anger out on. And they'll love to take your lunch money away. Just steal it from you. That's not God. God's not a bully. He's not trying to take things from us. He wants to help us. He wants to empower us. Amen. He wishes to empower you. Now, this takes us back to Psalms. We mentioned the tithe last week. 
We started probing a bit. Remember that? Those kinds of questions, like who's really my master? Amen. Not just I say it, but I've proven it in my life. Those probing questions are necessary sometimes. When you honor God with the time, what did God say? Bring it to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, the church is his house, we bring our tithes to the church. When you do that, let's understand what we're doing, because God's not just trying to take away from you. You've earned that money. You've worked hard. At least, usually that's how it works. I guess sometimes there's exceptions. But in general, whatever we are paid, there was some sweat. Right? We did something. And we're being compensated for that. And then we, we go to church and they start talking about tithing. Man, I worked hard. I sweat to earn that money. And now you're going to tell me I'm supposed to give 10% of that? And the problem is, it feels like we're losing something. Like somebody's taking something away from us. That's how it feels. Understand what you're doing. When you honor God this way, you are placing that, that 10%, you're putting it in the hands of Jesus. I'm going to show it to you in the Word of God. He is the head of the church. When we bring that to the church, we're putting it in his hands. Whatever Jesus touches multiplies. Don't you know that's true? You remember what he did with the fish and the loaves, right? It just, you just have to get it in his hands. You know, there's great significance in that miracle. Jesus multiplied that food. If you look in Mark 6, in verse 52, it shows us how the disciples, they had not understood about the loaves. Why? Because their heart was hardened. So somehow the, the hardness of their heart, it caused them to miss the significance of this miraculous provision. Listen, 
Jesus wants to touch your finances. Just like he wants to touch everything else. Just like he brought increase to those loads. He longs to bring increase to you. And he is, there is a system in God's word by which this is made possible. When you know Jesus and you know that he's the multiplier of everything he touches, Suddenly, there's no more hesitation. And you'd almost be in a hurry. I've just got to get that into the church. Get that into the hands of Jesus. Because I know if I can get it into his hands, he can multiply that. He can increase that. Amen. You no longer hesitate. Even to put your life into his hands. Your finances, what you've earned. That's part of your life. Your time became some amount. You put, you put that into his hands. Because you know He'll multiply it. He'll increase it. Look in Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 8. It says. Talks about here. Which is this earth. Here mortal men receive tithes. That happens in the church. But there. Where? In, in heaven, he receives them. Who's he? That would be Jesus, of whom it is witness that he lives. That's Jesus. So here, we give it to the church, but there, he receives it. Amen. Whatever you put into his hands is blessed. When you bring your tithe, it's collected by mortal men. But God in heaven receives that. Amen. Now, some might wonder, can God still bless me even if I don't tithe? Of course he can. Amen. He already has blessed you. This is why we're motivated to time. He has already blessed us. If you don't know that you're blessed because Jesus died for your sin, then you've missed it. Because he's blessed you, you should be inclined to return to him what belongs to him. 
That's what the time was all about. Amen. Well, what if I don't time? Won't I be cursed? Yeah, there's certain scriptures that people have used. And they kind of abuse those scriptures. Remember, Jesus is not in the business of destroying anybody. He wants to edify you. If you come to church and you just feel like the preacher beat you over the head, slapped you in the face with the word of God all, all morning, then something didn't happen right. So we don't use the word of God that way to put people in condemnation and to try to motivate them through fear to do something. So many have thought, if I don't tithe, I'll be cursed. Oh God, so I better tithe. I don't want God to curse me. It's the wrong motive. I don't believe you can curse what God has blessed. A guy named Balaam, he learned that lesson too. Yeah, real quick, Numbers chapter 22. Verse 12. Look what God said to Balaam. You shall not go with them. He said, you shall not curse the people for they're blessed. wanted Balaam to curse Israel. But God said, it's not happening. They're already blessed. You can't touch them. You can't curse them. They're already blessed. It's true for you. If you're a child of God, born of the Spirit, saved from your sin, if that describes you, you're already blessed. Amen. That's why we say it. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. You ought to say it. Amen. In Jesus' name. He's blessed me. A little while later, in Numbers chapter 23, verse 20, Balaam, he says even further. He said, Behold, I have received the command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. There it is. Balaam, he was like, even if I wanted to curse him, I can't. They're blessed. I can't change it. It can't be reversed. That's you. Amen. There's no reversing the blessing of God on your life. 
You're blessed, and it cannot be changed. Amen. However, and now this is very important, not to scare anybody, but to further inform you. Because as blessed as you are, there's more God wants to do. God has more in store for his people. Amen. Though you might not be cursed yourself. Though as a child of God, you cannot be cursed. Your finances still need to be brought into covenant with God. Amen. That's what people fail to do. They're blessed. But they don't bring their finances into covenant with God. That limits God from being able to do more. His blessing can manifest in a greater measure in your life. In the realm of your finances. If you'll come into covenant with him. Whatever system your finances are employed in. God's system or the world system. Whatever system you're involved with. That determines. Whether your finances are cursed or blessed. Not talking about you as a person. But I'm talking about your finances. Your money. You worked hard. You earned it. You traded your life for it. Now what are you going to do with it? Because it's either going to be employed in God's system or the world system. That makes the difference. Whether it's blessed and multiplying and increasing and adding no sorrow to your life. If it's important, God's system or the world. Amen. The time, it works as an indicator. Whether your money is in God's system or the world system. Okay, but it's up to every individual to do this willingly. Hallelujah. Because there's no law about this. Amen. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. There's no law about this. But it's up to every individual. We don't have laws. But what we have are scriptural principles. The Bible is full of those. They're, they're kind of like spiritual laws. 
They work if you put them to work. Being under authority. That's one of those principles. Your money needs to be brought under God's authority. Just like everything else. When it is submitted to God, you'll see a greater activation. God's empowerment. God involved with it and touching it. Amen. Spiritual activity all around you. It'll be increased. Including angelic activity. Hallelujah. If you live your life this way, then you are establishing the fact that Jesus is your Lord. That his word is the standard. He's Lord of the angelic hosts as well. When he's their Lord and he's your Lord, don't you know we can all just work together? That's what God wants. If we'll just submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, Amen. You can stand up. Let Jesus be Lord, even of your finances. Understand the tithe is just a tax. I issued a challenge last week. I'll do it again. Put God to the test. If you want to try it and see if you like it, go ahead and try it. God said, try me. Amen. If you want to try it, let's start tithing. Give it six months. If you feel like you're worse off than when you started, just let us know. We'll give you all your money back. Full return. Amen. Why? Because I'm convinced that I've already put this to the test. I already know God won't fail us. So nothing should be stopping me. And I just gave you a money back guarantee. And we're good for it. We're not going to spend your money and then be like, oh, sorry. Amen. I'm serious. Put God to the test. Okay, this is the only area God ever said test me. Think about that. The time. It's a test. Just means 10% of all your increase. So figure out, is that increase or not? If increase comes in the form of salary, in the form of a gift, a surprise, a blessing somewhere out of nowhere just showed up, 10% 
God says, bring that to the storehouse. God actually said it belongs to me. Bring that to the church. Here, mortal men receive it. But there, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, he received it. Amen. And whatever he touches, multiplies. Amen. If you haven't been faithful, repent and begin now. No condemnation. You can just start fresh. Hallelujah. It's easy. We just make a decision to do things God's way. Amen. Not my way. Not the world's way. God's way. Let's make that commitment together. Just to submit our lives to Him. To His Lordship. Jesus, you are Lord. You're my Lord. Confess that over yourself. Jesus, your word is my standard. I serve you. I trust in you. And I commit to doing your will in every area of my life. Father, I, I submit my life. I submit to your power. And I thank you, dear Father, that you empower me. Just like your word promised. Deuteronomy 8.18. You give me the power to get well. I will remember the Lord my God. For it is he that gives me the power to get well. That he may establish his covenant on the earth. I thank you, dear Father, that you empower me. I will be faithful to time to put that into your hands so that you can bless it, increase it, multiply it for the glory of God. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for working in our lives. 
the line and time. It has the power to change our lives. Lord, we submit to your words. We will listen. We will obey. Obey quickly. Obey right away. We thank you, Father, that you're that you're rising, raising up a generation who will say yes to you. No matter the cost. No matter the problems. Lord, we say yes to you. Because we understand and we realize that you are an awesome God. Awesome God. We thank you, Father, for working in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we wait upon you. We look to you. And we want to hear from you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So Josie will be doing that. 
after service. So if you're part of the nurturing thought, please be around. Also, we'll have an ushers meeting on Saturday at La Mason at 2 p.m. So if you're a part of the ushers or you want to be an usher, please attend the meeting. Amen. Suja and Bhima will be doing that. Also, we'll have children's ministry meeting. Next Tuesday, it's a holiday, government holiday, at Metro at 11. Lunch will be provided. So if you're part of the children's ministry, please come and join us. Amen. 2020 is coming. Are you excited about that? Amen. Don't just get excited about the new decade. Amen. But think about how strong you can finish this year. I've already written down some stuff that I want to see happen before 2020. That means the remainder of this year. God has great plans. Amen. And uh, one of the ways we can grow is by connecting and serving. I encourage each and every one of you. If you're not connected in any area, be connected. That's how you grow. We serve and we grow. Amen? Because we are the body of Christ. And all of us are members. And every member must be active. Right? What if you woke up this morning? And one of your eyes didn't open. Would you come to church? With a closed eye? Or would you run to the doctor? In our human body, we need all of our organs to work, all of our members to work. Amen? We all make sure that our organs are working, our members are working. And in the same way, spiritually, when everyone is doing their part, that's when we grow. Amen? Together, collectively, we become a force for the kingdom of God. Amen? So we must present ourselves, make ourselves available. And make ourselves dependable. 
The church depends upon you. We know when your name is on the schedule. And Sunday morning you say, I can't come. We have to real quickly find a substitute. Amen? But we must be dependable. The church should be able to depend upon us. I'm coming to church no matter what. Even if I have guests, I'm not staying back to them. I'm bringing them to church. Amen? I am sick. I'm going to go to the doctor tomorrow. But first I'm going to go to the house of God. Amen? Amen. Whatever it is, we, we make it fit around the church. Amen? Amen? So make it a priority to serve God. That's how we grow. I have a short scripture because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And we've already heard about giving. But I was reading this Matthew 23, 23 because a lot of people argue that tithing is of the Old Testament. And that's why we do not have to give in the New Testament. But it's in the book, it's in the New Testament as well. Matthew 22, 23, 23, 23 says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspect of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but you do not neglect the more important things. Amen? Jesus is not saying don't tithe. You do not need to tithe. He's saying yes, you should tithe. But at the same time, you need to keep your heart right. Your character is very important. Justice, mercy, faith. Amen? I believe that God has made giving a way for us to have a character, godly character. He's made giving a way so that we could build character. That's what I personally believe. Multitasking God. Amen. That means you're shooting 